0: Welcome to Junctional Thinking on full-service radio, broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Pierre Vigilance. And uh, this show uh, is really the culmination of a number of different elements and experiences you know my career path has taken me through medical training public health training um, and into leadership positions in the nonprofit government and now the academic sector as well as advisory consulting and along that path I've gained an appreciation for the concept that health is about more than medicine um, and more than healthcare alone can provide Um, it takes diverse innovative partnerships to positively impact health and health outcomes and so the podcast is a place where we get to explore some of the creative problem-solving opportunities and innovations that exist at what I call the Junction, which is a place that I define as the intersection of health and social impact interventions, basically where health intersects with just about everything. Each episode we're joined by guests from a range of sectors with the commonality between them being that they all have some impact on health. From community engagement, user experience and creativity to housing, transportation, journalism, education, finance and healthcare, we get into the ways these innovative influencers seek to impact social and health outcomes from their own unique perspectives. And that creativity plug Very, very specifically in there from the beginning of this show's tagline to uh, sort of entice my current guest, who is Monica Kang, uh, into uh, joining us. And uh, I really, really appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk to her. In this, in this context, but just in general, uh, he's an incredible person who's got a lot of, as you'll find out very soon, strong capabilities to bring the creative out of just about everybody and just about everything. And so, uh, without further ado, Monica Kang, Chief Thank Executive you. Officer for Innovators Box. Thank,
1: Thank you. you very much for having me. Pleasure being here.
0: It's great to have you here. So, can you tell us a bit about, and you've got these, these, these cards. I have to plug the, the Spark cards Right. Is that the official name of them? What do you call your yes, cards? Yes, these are the actually spark cards. cards.
1: But yes, we have Spark cards
0: These Spark too. cards that are in front of me with some great cues on them. But so tell me, so Innovators Box, what is that and how did it come about?
1: Thank you so much for having me. So um, honored to be here and excited to share about Innovators Box. Innovators Box is a creative leadership firm on the mission to transform workplace and leadership to be more creative. And I say that because I think creativity innovation has got a lot of stigma and perceptions on what it seems to be. Yet, if you actually ask individuals and leaders, how creative are you and what does it mean to be creative? You'll have puzzling looks. Mm -hmm. And it's because there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of misunderstanding as well as uncertainty and unclarity on how do you actually do creativity and be innovative and so that's where we actually come into the middle of the puzzle of how do we solve that to think differently focusing on that mindset piece so we do a lot of culture development leadership development through workshops training card games but really at the essence asking that question what does it really mean to be more creative and why is that important
0: so people might be listening and thinking well okay so it's creativity workforce so it must be for a particular sector or particular sectors that innovators box is most applicable or useful is that true
1: we do have certain sectors that we start with more probably because of the intensity and the demand but it is industry agnostic we work across different sectors and in fact uh it connects back to why I think your question on finding the junction of connectivity at the end, because we're helping solve people problems and right. people work at all different types of industries and yes. organizations, the people mm-hmm. problems are the same. And so currently, just a few list is like we're, we work with pharmaceutical, financial, technology, uh, hospitality, um, consulting, government. Uh, so that's kind of a mix, but the commonality is all people doing work, struggling to figure it How do we do more than just our job title, and why is this so complicated?
0: So let's talk a bit about that. In the leadership class, that I know you uh, had—very glad to have you come join us—talk about things related to leadership development. And at least in the public health space, when I asked students, and still when I asked learners, to introduce themselves— they are prone to introducing themselves with their title. I am X title. Or in in the case of many students who are not necessarily yet in a job, they'll say, well, I'm in a particular department and they identify with that as opposed to more the what rather than the who they are. Is this a problem that you see? Well, do you see that as a problem, first of all? Because I certainly do. But do you see it as a problem? And then secondly, how do you try to address that in the work that you do?
1: Love it because it is a problem and unfortunately it is a global problem in the workplace. It is a problem to the point that we are so used to doing it without thinking that we think it is not a problem. So that's what concerns me the most when, you know, you hear the, this is the bad wolf coming, this is the bad wolf, like any kind of problem type of thing that happens so much that we become almost ignorant and say like, Oh, that's not much of a big deal compared to other things. And in regards to identity, it it is a bit of a problem because in my perspective especially at that beginning stage and even later on it becomes so habitual of how we define who we are and when we define who we are based on the job title and we let others define who we are based on that job title or that industry um, but you're so much more than that one title right. and that one type of habit uh, one example I'd like to share is that you know I hope that one day we can think of how we almost like different foods as being an okay thing of us having multiple interests in different industries and different careers. Like, why do we find that it's weird when someone moves maybe from engineer to maybe doing something that's hospitality to to doing, like, in my case, I was in nuclear nonproliferation and government work to now doing creative education and entrepreneurship. People were like, wow, that's a bit of a transition. And yes, it is. Um, And I hope that that becomes more of the common element. Just like, it's okay for me to like Thai food, Korean food, Japanese, you know, Mexican, and nobody would say that's weird. But why is it that industry-wise it's a problem? Because especially in somewhere like health, um, yes. wouldn't you, wouldn't we need more people who understand multiple aspects and not just health? Because then they can solve problems better and understand more nuances. Um, and I think when we tend to picture people, it's like, oh, you must be so-and-so because your job title or your resume says this. Um, we let others define that way, then we're limiting ourselves from what else we could become and what else we can connect the dots with.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's very, very well said. And I think one of the tenets of junctional thinking is um, being a perpetual learner. And so from my perspective, and I think from yours, too, learning from a number of different perspectives and from different people is really important. And that requires that we listen very well. So I wanted to see whether or not you had sort of along your journey as you pivoted from one space to another, you're the same person though, who pivoted from one space to the other, but you had a particular title or people Mm -hmm. knew you as something in particular. Who did you listen to in making that transition, in making that change from where you were before to, to Innovators Box and what you do now?
1: That's a great question. Uh, one of the things that I, in fact, share with a lot of people now when they ask, how can I be more creative or how can I do more something that I feel my full potential is actually in regards to that people question is mm-hmm. exactly what I recommend because even in my personal journey and many others that I've witnessed, people play a significant role. If you actually interview innovators, uh, and I was just in Korea and made this realization and reminder as well, like the people who, we're so ahead of their trend. We're staying rigorous and being creative wherever I go. I just came back from seven weeks of traveling. Yeah. The commonality of all these individuals, was like there was someone out there who was pulling them up, pushing them, and not letting them give up. And that would be the same for me. I think in my context, uh, my my parents and my family played a significant role. Um, I know traditionally in Asian culture, uh, there's a bit of a stereotype, and I feel very fortunate and grateful that they were, they they pushed me in those. Values and that stereotypical values, you know, being humble, thinking long-term, um, but they also were a bit more untraditional in other settings where they would let me just do things and let me convince them to say why I, I am doing this for the greater good um, and for my happiness as well as actually solving a problem. Yeah. Uh, and along that way, I think having had mentors, allies, made a huge difference. I am also part of a handful of different communities. I'll give a shout out to a few like Starting Block, Tech Stars, Startup Weekend, um, the American Express Leadership Academy, some of the DC tech communities. All of these are a handful of places that for me played an incredible role and reminder that I'm not alone. Uh, I'm not being weird. Uh, what I think is weird is actually normal. And, wow. and in fact, I should celebrate more. And I would personally even say I, I love uh, reading and watching movies and entertainment for myself. And so I seek inspiration from those places too. So even when like cheesy movies, like if you see that positive view, I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to this music and remind myself the positive trigger I right. need to keep in mind because I think it's in the it's in the eye of the seeker, you know, even if that resource and reminder is right in front of me, if I'm not seeking it and if I'm uh. not pursuing it, then it it's not I'm not going to benefit from it. Absolutely. So I try to keep that in mind.
0: Got you, got you. Those words of wisdom are from Monica <laughs> Kang, the Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Innovators Box. You are uh, on full-service radio broadcasting live out of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. This is the Junctional Thinking Podcast with Pierre Vigilance. And we're just talking a bit about sort of how you got to where you are now um, and, and some of the things that influenced you you, you described something that made me, inspire me to, to write down the word freedom right, and, and being free to explore different things um, and I think that people who might listen to you may look at you as being a leader because of the way that you are out and uh, you're sort of out ahead of your own destiny type thing sort of charting your course do you think of yourself as a leader um that, that's just i'll, I'll leave it at that do you think of us because some people who are in leadership positions don't think of themselves as leaders and i think of you as a leader but do you
1: thank you for asking that question uh yes and constantly seeking to be a better one i okay. think uh uh, being growing up being ambitious, sometimes I would say we could be guilty of having the opposite problem, mm. <laughs> thinking that we are a leader when we're not a leader yet. So i also I probably had guilty of that more when I was younger. Okay. And so it taught me the lessons of being more humbler, humble and thinking more thoughtfully on, yes, just because you might be in a leadership capacity or being a leader now, does not mean it's the best version and so if someone is if i'm am i a leader yes i am but i do know the best version of what my leadership capacity or who i want to be as a leader i have not seen that version yet because i'm hopefully being a better version each day each hour each quarter each year and hopefully as i look back next year i would say i cannot believe i did those things but in a way because i did those things i've learned how to be a better person person and a better leader.
0: Right, right. And the evolution that you're referring to re- requires some self-awareness and some self-reflection. Absolutely. So you're taking the time to say, okay, so yesterday was yesterday. Today's a different day. Did What did I move and change and do better in? But sometimes that can be a challenging and a... Um, Uh, you know a bothersome journey right because we might not feel that we made the progress that we wanted to make in a certain amount of time how do you how do you um being an ambitious and forward-leaning person manage that and sort of manage being a high managing being a high achiever and wanting to push forward a lot for yourself and for your clients but recognizing that you're human and that you might not necessarily make all the progress that you were expecting to make in a period of time.
1: Mm -hmm. It's hard. Yeah. It requires a lot of patience. Uh, It requires a lot of thinking more long-term that sometimes I make mistakes myself. And uh, I think even looking back in the past four years or even five years in particular just because five years ago i I never thought i was going to start a business this soon or this kind of business because i was doing my nuclear nonproliferation job right to think about everything i've learned already reminds me of how humbling it is that you know we only know what we know and we don't know so much more and so every time i i feel that i know i'm facing a new big challenge that i don't know the answer i try to remind myself okay let's not try to rush into conclusions judgment let's not try to judge be harsh on myself either because part of it is it is kind of easier for me to be critical to myself because it's my fault if something happened both good and bad and uh to not let that spiral down in a negative way or to continue to lead in a negative path is really important to stay critical and stay open-minded and along the way going back to that people related like reaching back out to those people like getting that critical feedback and so that's why i think it's usually helpful because sometimes it is helpful to have that reminder of like you know what monica you could have actually improved that xyz by doing let's say doing that um taking that option instead of this option and like oh i didn't think through that and that's helpful because now i can stop overthinking and just take that action action, instead of it's just putting uncertainty. Um, Sometimes I might get feedback or I might do research and reflecting and realize I still don't know what's the right answer. And actually, I had a handful of key decisions recently that I felt like that where I realized, you know what, I don't think today I'm supposed to make this decision because I might regret making the wrong decision. Right. And that was helpful because after spending another 24 hours for some of these decisions, I found clarity by looking up more information, talking with some more people and doing self ref- self-reflection and sometimes even just taking a pause. So whatever right. that is, it's real patience uh, because it is so tempting to just be busy. Um, and But being busy is not necessarily the right thing. Right. It's Even in your thinking. <laughs>
0: Now I hear you and it's funny because you you, you said the word take a pause right after I wrote the word down and I was thinking to myself, this is going to age me slightly, but I I come from an an era where there was a thing called a cassette deck and it was, you know. I had cassette tapes too. So so remember that that there was the play button and the record button, you press play and record at the same time to record, but you could press pause. Um, But the pause button didn't disengage the play button or the record button. It just, it just paused it. It just stopped it. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's not that pausing makes it inactive. It just is a hold, if you will, on a process. I love that visual right. reminder. Um, and, it, and you don't get that from the digital pause button that we have now because yeah. it's digital. But that pause button clicked when you hit when you pushed it down yeah. and it stopped things. And then it clicked again when you resumed recording or resumed playing. Um, mean that that process was still going on underneath uh, or could go on underneath but then when you hit that button click it would it would start up again and, and it's I, still there and it's still there, right you're still doing it. So you were still in play you were still recording, but you were maybe in, a, in pause mm-hmm. at that point you hadn't stopped and if you hit stop, all the buttons came up. Yes. And so nothing was going to happen.
1: Uh, things we can learn from old technology.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So this is a little more <laughs> Never <much>.
1: say
0: never. <laughs> right, watch. We'll be back to Walkmans and those other things. I know, I just really classics are
1: good.
0: with the Walkman. I know, right? I think <laughs> I might still have one. So to talk a little bit about these, the clients you have are very varied and the ways that they learn as organizations and as individuals in those organizations is probably also very varied. And um, to, to just give us an example of, you know, just how challenging it can be to work with different organizations and different people who have different learning styles.
1: Mm. Yeah, certainly. The it's both the joy in something that I keep in mind. How do I make sure I do it better to continue to be a better problem solver and ally? So, an instance uh, right now at. Usually we have about four to maybe five projects happening simultaneously when it's less, you know, it could be less. But that means then I need to keep track. And then we might have potentially three or more other long term potential projects that's happening. So that means on my plate, I need to keep track of at least eight different types of both happening, potential happening and c- closing projects of different types of personalities, different industries, different people trend, different types of um, organizational structure. And I would say, yes, unless uh, I need it, I learn to be a lot more mindful as the team lead and you know, kind of the person who's going to be speaking and leading the workshops to not mix up the information. Number one, that's very critical. But two, being mindful of my energy and bandwidth so that way that I can be more critical and thoughtful but three keeping in mind that it it is actually an equal opportunity because the number 1 Uh, reminder that I get from my clients and I've actually proactively been doing more especially this year is just bringing back examples from other clients and sharing how they can think differently Mm -hmm. and they really appreciate that because now not only are they getting insight from me but because I'm working with all these multiple disciplinaries in different uh, corporations and different types of industries solving specific problems that are still connected on the people aspect of how do we be more creative in our culture in our company uh, they can still walk away with something so For an example, I was talking with a financial company about some of their entrepreneurship programs that they were running and how they want to do differently. I was helping them on the mindset. I'm like, you know, I recommend doing these kind of programs or I can help you on running these kind of packaging or like these solutions. And I shared them an example where I'm talking with a cosmetics company right now. And these are the things they're doing well. And these are the things they're not doing well. But these are lessons you can already start with. And they're like, oh, wow, that's really helpful. Yeah, like we're completely different industry. They're, you know, consumer business. We're... You know, B2B business, but that we're still dealing with people because the insights that I'm talking is a people. Um, Another example is I'm talking with another company was like we have this demographic of diverse group who we can't figure out how to help them continue to grow. But we know that they need support and we don't want them to just equal that this equals time. Promotion, but we want them to learn how they can be a better creative leader. And we found that other traditional DNI programs don't really tackle that. So, can you help them on the mindset piece of building out a leadership program? I'm like, yes. And in fact, because we we helped think through some of that aspect in a different industry, like in higher education, like um, in uh, entertainment, they are able to connect the dots. And so, and I'm able to sh- connect the dots in different ways because I'm finding those trends and. Uh, at the end of the day, all of these are quite connected. Right. Going back to your right. theme of how bringing this all together, is connected, and I'm helping people think about health and their mental health in a different way by pushing these conversations about what that creative That's mindset is really in the workplace.
0: Cool. Okay, I got you. I got you. We're gonna we're gonna come back around to this. We're gonna take a, a quick break. This is uh, Pierre Vigilance on the junctional thinking podcast live from the line hotel in Adams Morgan Washington DC on full service radio with my guest Monica Kang and we will be back with you in just a couple minutes. If you
1: don't know what to get us down, down, down by now, now, by now, I guess we, now, guess now. we just got to break, break, it break it down for you.
0: beat. Welcome back. This is Pierre Vigilance broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C., on Full Service Radio, the Junctional Thinking Podcast, with my guest today. Monica Kang, CEO and founder of the Innovators Box. And we've been talking about a few different things, about sort of where, who she's listened to, um, in the who and what she's listened to in the past to influence her as she's made the transition into the work that she's doing now. A view of herself as a leader, um, how different organizations and people in those organizations learn. And then we had a bit of a sort of old school tech conversation about pause and and patience and it's interesting I wanted to go back to the patience piece because every single person that we talk to on this show reflects on that patience question or relates to that patience question as a moment of saying look you know there's got to be times when you put things one person said on ice someone else said you know you just stop or you step back there's always somebody everyone expresses a need for patience and hitting the pause button. And many people reflect on the fact that they have a hard time doing it. Right. Um, because many of us are very hard charging and trying to get things done and to pause is to fail type thing or to stop is to fail. Um, but it isn't, and it's funny because another tech thing, sort of moving things right up to now. I started wearing a whoop strap recently. I don't know if you know the whoop strap is. It's a, it, it doesn't. It sounds terrible. I know listeners may be like, "What the hell's a whoop strap?" What's he going to talk about now? No, it's this is a PG 13 conversation. <laughs> And um, basically, it helps me monitor and track my recovery, right? Like, how well am I sleeping? Um, How well hydrated am I? Stuff like that. So it's, it's it's a wearable device. I've been into wearables for a while. But it's important because it lets you know how prepared you're going to be for the activity that you want to do. And so if you're not patient and haven't taken a moment to step back from something, you may not be ready to step into that next thing. So... It's it, to me. It's sort of there's some connectivity between those things. Um, but I wanted to talk to you a bit about the process that you use, and these the, these cards. I mean, you have these business cards here in front of us, which have uh, "Be curious, think boldly, break habits, listen thoughtfully, question the status quo, and imagine possibilities." And these are your business cards. So these on the other side have your information on oh, them. These are great. Are these by Moo? I plugged them just now <laughs> inadvertently sorry um, so tell me about this this is a new set of business cards but then you also have a card deck that you use and that I've used in class for students to think about things differently and a different version for clients to think about things tell me about why these business cards are like this and what inspired you to create that deck of cards that you use
1: so it's funny because in a way it is connected to your intro theme of the patients and putting a pause because it um now that we talked about the cassette tape earlier it's almost playing that role right Uh, no individual has ever looked at the question if you pull out the question cards or even when i change the business cards this way it puts people on pause and say like wait what what is this right and it's funny because we are so used to doing certain things
0: mm-hmm.
1: that a way to actually help trigger a pause is doing something slightly differently. Different. Yeah. And so that's actually the advice that I share with people when they say, Hey, I don't know, I'm so busy. How do you get into the thinking of pause when I don't have time? Like I I barely like have time to sleep and eat. Like, well, it starts with small routines and it's thinking about Small routines and then the holistic energy and the flow. So, mm-hmm. the card game, it was funny because the very first one, we have six different card games um, to help rethink about uh, workplace communication, uh, collaboration, habit building, and then problem solving and that infinity reimagine and spark cards. But the very first edition of spark cards, when I started in 2016, really started because I just wanted to have like a prompt. To have this icebreaking meeting in a different way, and I'm like, oh well, I have these really great questions and thoughts that I think will be super quirky and fun. Why don't I just make them? So I made these. I had these little like um, graphics that I added just like from um, an online online graphic tools and stuff uh and just printed it out and just gave it to the people who were like i did at some of my earlier events and but interestingly it was always those cards that disappeared and i was like i, I need to keep printing more like why are they all disappearing and it came to a point where someone must actually say, hey monica email me hey monica do you have still more of those because can i come get it because they were really nice and i want to do it for my team but i'm like oh there's a demand for it right. so then I need to people make a product out of it yeah. so that's how I decided to make a product out of it Smart. but it got me to realizing along the way that the reason why um because I have people who have pushed me even from the beginning and we have thought of making this into an app and digitizing it and Um, if once we you know as we grow our company we probably will have some digital solutions to more for app friendly and tech aspect but for now i realize it was important to keep it non-digital to keep it in a card physical format because we are again so used to being on the phone that if it was just like an app on a phone it's so easy to just push aside but because it's a physical product you have to put away your phone for a second and actually sit down and have a conversation and the moment um like one of my favorite Hard questions that I have is I think it's in Spark One is that uh, what would nature look like if you pour in a cup, and um, people have to pause and think about it <laughs> without what would them. Would nature yeah.
0: look like if you poured it into a cup?
1: There's a lot of assumptions in that question.s Yes, how would yeah. you answer that?
0: And I was just thinking that, and I was thinking <laughs> what I was thinking is it would look like honey. Why? Because I think of honey as coming from. I think of nature. I think of flowers and i think of flowers and i think of I think of bees Uh and that whole process of pollination etc and bees making honey so i'm sort of like it seems like it's uh and honey's sweet and i have a sweet tooth so it's sort of yeah nature poured in a cup Uh might look like honey yeah
1: so it's interesting because actually even from the quick demo can you notice how like right now you people can't see us but like your eyes open and you were like oh yeah, and thinking I, and, and, and now <laughs> you yeah. see it's stimulating all these things just from that But i one just ate question. monica this is terrible <laughs> <laughs> so
0: ahead, it's
1: so. because we didn't have dessert um,
0: true i didn't have dessert
1: so that's the powerful thing about when it's a good question that actually not forcing you to pause but it's more like natural pause right i hmm. wasn't I had it, didn't have a parenthesis now you must pause to think about this right. but you organically did because of the way the question the was formed and me. I think about this in a different context which is like when you have amazing food right you immediately I'm like oh my gosh that was so good sorry we're talking about food again <laughs> or like if we had an amazing visit someone I'm like oh my gosh this place is so beautiful I want to take a picture of it or All I want right. to remember I want to tell someone that's our gut reaction or if we listen to an amazing music I'm like I want to share this or I want to talk about this That's our instinct of how we respond. If we think so much about physical health, how we look, how we feel, like how we sleep, why don't we think about how we think about our mental health, which is how we think and process all that information. And if it starts with, um, just like physical health, if it starts with stretching and exercising regularly, what are you doing then to practice your mental health and activities? And that's where hence the card idea came the thought of how can i help stimulate the thinking even from a business card came from even just helping people think about how do i help them pause without them realizing they pause and that's the most beautiful part people don't want to be forced upon you don't want to like here i'm going to force you to eat this like amazing food or force you to go on this vacation nobody enjoys that but if you say you know what this you might like it let you discover it yes then people will make their own opinions but that's how they actually learn is what i found And I think because I come from a non-traditional background of this field, like I said, I was a nuclear non-proliferation, I originally wanted to be a diplomat, Um, and I feel like I'm now walking my talk of a diplomat in a different uh, way, Uh, I've learned to force, push myself to think about this in a way how I would understand as someone who's not in that space, which I think has been the key asset of how we've been able to help people differently. And traditional Action. creatives. Yes. So that was a mouthful
0: of things, but none of that, that inspired well, me. <laughs> more food, really, yeah, mouthful, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So, so we're here on um, full service radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington DC. Um, I'm Pierre Vigilance, your host on the Junctional Thinking Podcast with Monica Kang, um, CEO of Innovators Box. And we were talking about the uh, the cards and the in the sparking of sort of creative thinking that and and the moments that we take that we're forced to take when when we are struck by things by how they look by how they taste by how they feel etc and how those things can be used to move us um creatively with respect to a number of different processes so one of the things in in health in particular is in some of the things that i think a lot about the fact that so much of our health is not um, bound or the responsibility of the healthcare system. It is other spaces. So, partnership is a huge part of how we're going to improve health outcomes just generally. Um, clearly, technology, transportation, housing, etc. As you think of partnerships in creative problem solving, from your perspective, sort of. Who have been your great partners and or who would you like to think of? I asked um, Ernest this question, the Nike trainer about this. Who would be your ideal partner? Who would you Mm -hmm. really love to work with as a partner? Sort of put that out there.
1: Manifest it. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I love, love partnering with individuals or companies or communities who just really are comfortable going beyond what is perceived as the norm. Mm -hmm. i think it it is so energizing when you walk away from a conversation i'm like oh my gosh like i actually just want to figure out how you did not get discouraged (laughs) that was literally a question i said to a few people that i recently got connected that i was so excited i'm like i'm just so um, inspired even from the way you've gone through your journey one example is someone a friend of mine a new friend of mine that i'm we're excited and glad we got to connect uh works in financial industry in korea and he's been told no so many times and now he's in a position he's able to lead innovation in his company but he was like yeah it took me just nine years of hearing no i'm like how did you stay patient for nine years because that's not easy and he shared all these different methodologies i'm like that's exactly what i'm helping people like i want to know how you got inspired to first find that so it's really encouraging to hear those anecdotes of people around the world, um, especially in societies where I feel like that prejudice and bias is even harder, and mm. um, in, in industries such as financial industries, uh, which is not easy. Uh, so that's kind of how I feel, and I think if I name drop a few, I feel like it will be dishonoring the others that I forget to name oh, okay, drop. So okay, I will you're say be that. Good. Okay, so I'll okay. be mindful of that because I'm thinking of many, even on top of my head, probably about 20, 30 individuals, particularly that I'm super grateful for. Um, who they know, who they are, and I think to manifest though, uh, would love love to get a chance to work on bigger, kind of holistic uh, impact on innovation because. I'll take a step back, actually, to answer that and and why. Because when I first started my business on helping people be creative at the essence, which is what I do, people ask, oh, so, like, you know, what age children do you work with? And I remember at first being hurt, but then second realizing I need to work on my marketing and all of that. But it really got to be that reminder of, again, that job title conversation we had at the beginning. Creativity, innovation work at the beginning was often... Assumed even when I was doing that, it was artsy. It's something for their children, but not something for them. And I'm like, and I correct, like, corrected and explained that no, actually, I mean for workplace and for adults. And they're like, oh, that's confusing. Like, what do you mean? You help right. people adults be more creative. Right. Um, and so I say that because I know it could have also because we could have chosen to actually work with children, uh, which is critical. And I do actually still have a lot of mentors who advise me, hey, like, can you consider working and pivoting to younger age? And I, and I go back and forth because, one, I think the reason why from the beginning we choose to do workplace innovation, not um, youth innovation, is because, one, there is actually a lot of amazing companies who's doing youth programs, which I think is great. But more importantly, I think I felt calling for the workplace lack and this is where my manifesting list would be coming together is because I find that at the end of the day, no matter how innovative the childrens and youth are, when they graduate school, and no matter how higher education supports, when they graduate schools and they look for jobs and the workplace has not changed, Guess what they're going to have to do first thing? They're going to have to take out all that from their resume. They're going to start from schools. And those who are ambitious are going to look at what the workplace is saying and say, I don't have time for these innovative, creative stuff in school because the workplace is not requiring it for for me to have a successful career. And I want a successful career. And they're going to be on the front end, proactively not doing that. And I already have a lot of students who ask me that question back, and like, how is this actually going to help me find a job? Right. Uh, which is very sad to think about. It it will, but they're not seeing that enough still in the workplace. Right.
0: So we so figure changing the workplace would help the trigger landing, the opposite. Changes changes the pipeline Absolutely. to the workplace.
1: Absolutely. That's the big picture, right. and that's why my manifest is I would love to love to work more with both um, front end, uh, potentially actually even more with some government aspect on bigger policy level, but also uh, some of the bigger entertainment companies because entertainment companies actually are not only in the front end of being a corporation who actually walks the talk and being seen as an innovative company, but also a company that is projecting their products such as like movies and tools to all age range so then if they walk the talk of what that means to be more creative even in a creative company like that i think that speaks volume as well as traditional non-creative companies such as uh finance
0: so well i mean i think this conversation could go on much 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 longer and i appreciate you talking about sort of future casting and sort of saying you know who you'd like to work with and the why and also explaining why you're not doing something because i think that's something we, we oftentimes miss but yeah I, monica thank you so much for coming on to the show today thank you i so appreciate much you this has been a- another episode of junctional thinking podcast, um, live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. on full service radio. My guest today has been Monica Kang, CEO and finder, founder of the Innovators Box. And we look forward to seeing you for the next episode of the Journal Thinking Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio. Broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington DC. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com/fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable if you want to be a guest or get involved email us at info at fullserviceradio.org follow us on twitter at full service rdo on instagram and facebook at full service radio thanks for listening